Welcome back to the Grief Observed podcast. I'm your host, Brad Morell. I've had a lot of people stepping up lately on the show, and if you would like to be a guest on the podcast, contact me at griefobservedpodcast at gmail.com. Just shoot me an email, describe the person that you've lost, and let me know how you're dealing with grief. I'd love to have you on the show. Um, our next guest is another young widow. What is unique about her story is that uh, she's actually documented some of her grief journey on TikTok. And if you connect with her today, I have her email as well as her link to TikTok in the show description. Um, sometimes words can't always describe what we go through. So I think it's a great thing that she's done this. Um, I think you'll gain some insight on her grief journey and maybe able to connect to that. So um, I'm going to stop talking and bring on our guest. T, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate you coming on. And I've watched several of your videos on TikTok. And, uh, you know, I can definitely see, you know, different areas of grief on on your face in a lot of those. And I think it's really important uh, for people to see those things. Um, so why don't you first start and tell me a little bit about yourself. You can tell me where you're at or what you do or just anything you want me to know about you. Yeah, sure. Well, for one, I'm still finding who I am now after the loss, but I am now 34. I am in Florida currently, but I'm Jersey born and raised. Um, I was with my husband for 10 years and I lost him three years, um, October 26th would have been three years that he passed away. Um, I'm working now and I'm trying to figure out my life. Like I said, it's been really hard, but I'm getting there. I'm working again and, you know, feeling a little bit more like myself. Hmm. So that was kind of during the, uh, the COVID years, but that's not how you lost your husband, correct? Correct. So I keep telling people it wasn't COVID related, but I feel like COVID had something to do with it because he went into the hospital not feeling well and they said that he had an infection and he wasn't being monitored properly. They said that everything happening was normal and they reassured us he was young and he'd be fine. He was on a regular floor in the hospital and he died from sepsis. So if people aren't aware, sepsis is when the infection enters your blood and shut down, shuts down your organs. So it was really, really unexpected. He was a healthy, happy, normal guy, business owner, full of life. So it mm. really, really came out of left field. Yeah. So, so how did you and your husband meet? <laughs> So we actually met on Facebook. I, okay. I knew a lot of people that he knew. Um, and the day that I met him after that, we hung out every single day since. Um, kind of love at first sight, kind of cliche, but I, I knew when I met him. No, that's awesome. And, and you were married 10 years then? So we were together for 10 years. Um, okay. We got, we got engaged in 2016. Um, in Key West, Florida. And then we were also married in Key West, Florida in 2018. Um, we were married for shy of two years. Um, oh, okay. He died October 26th and November 3rd would have been our two-year wedding anniversary. Oh my gosh. Wow. Right before. Yeah, we um, were really young. So we weren't like in a rush for anything. You know, we put everything on the back burner because we like to travel and so I don't have kids either just because we thought we had time. We all think we have time, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. How old was your husband when he passed? Yeah. He was 33 when he passed. 33. So we were two wow. years apart. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. And that's, that is very young and you're, you know, a young widow. Um, what was your initial reaction and, and maybe how have your feelings evolved since his passing? Well, when he first died, I was kind of in a blur, like nothing made sense. I couldn't even like, 
have a conversation. I couldn't shower. I couldn't really do anything. I didn't sleep. Um, I didn't think that anything would ever get better for so long. And then things just started to feel lighter for me. Just naturally, I started to be able to feel the sun in my face and I could listen to music again and I could be happy for people. I was really, really, really bitter when he died just because I always thought if you're a good person and we were both good people, we always did the right things that, you know, we'd live a long life. I guess I kind of lived in a fairy tale world. And then when that happened, it really, really changed my outlook on people, relationships, life in general. Had you experienced any loss before him? Yeah. So unfortunately, I am not a stranger to loss. I lost my dad when I was 21. He had cancer and it's a different type of love. So it's a different type of loss, but it's still a loss. And he he was very, my dad was 52 when he died and I was 21. So that's young to lose a parent. Um, And then I met my husband shortly after and I honestly felt like he was sent to me. And then when he died, I was just like, I don't understand how can someone have to deal with two such significant tragedies at such a young age, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That is uh very young and you know, I'm, I'm 48. So I'm sitting there thinking, wow, 52, that's not far away, you know? And, um, I still feel very young at 48, but you know, as you've stated, your husband passed at 33. Um, we just never know, you know, we never know when our time is going to be up. And, um, I don't know. Do you feel like people do take a lot of life for granted whenever they're younger? I think in general, people don't realize that the only thing guaranteed in life is death. And when you are younger, you know, we live in a society where you think that you're going to grow old, but that's a blessing that's not guaranteed, you know? And I think that people really, really, really need to appreciate everyone and everything and every day, you know? It's very cliche, but it's true, you know? Time is not promised and time is really, really precious. Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel like there's any misconceptions about grief that you would like to address? Anything that you've found out was different than maybe what you've experienced before? So I think that people think that grief goes away and it never goes away. It definitely shifts and changes with time but it's always with you in one way or another. And people think that, you know, after someone dies, like at the funeral, there's so many people that are there for you. But then after a couple of weeks, that goes away and you're really, really alone in grief. Mm -hmm. It's your grief, you know, and it's really hard. That's why like, I like talking and vocalizing loss because it makes you feel so alone and so crazy. And that's why, like you mentioned with my TikTok, when I first started, I never thought I would even get like 10 followers. And then so many people followed and reached out to me and told me that it helps them to share, you know, but there's so many misconceptions with grief. So many, you know, so, so many. Oh, and because I'm a young widow, because I'm young and I'm a widow, people will say things like, oh, well, you're young, you're pretty, you'll meet someone else. That does not take away your grief. If you're young, if you're ugly, if you're pretty, if you're old, like that grief is still there no matter what, you know what I mean? And I think because I'm young, people would continuously tell me, oh, you're fine, you're young. But what does young have to do with anything? Now Now I have longer to to have to deal with that grief. You know, I have to live with that grief for even longer. Yeah. You know, one of the, um, I, I do couples counseling as well. And one of the, um, exercises that I had them do, uh, a lot of the couples do anyway, is called the graveyard date. And I got this out of a book called 52 uncommon dates. And it doesn't sound like an exciting date, but it does teach you, you know, what value do you have in your marriage? You know, are you, what's it going to feel like when the person you love does pass away? You know, it's, um, 
it's very rare that I guess two people pass away at the same time. So one person in the couple will say goodbye to the other. So in this exercise, it has people go out to a graveyard and, you know, look for the couples. And it's like, what was it like for the man that died of heartbreak two days after his wife? What was it like for, you know, the wife that had to live without her husband for 30 years? What does that feel like? And you've brought it in a really good point that a younger widow does have generally more life to live um, thinking about the loss. Whereas, you know, if, if somebody had been married, you know, 50 years and say they're 70 years old and one passes away, um, maybe 10, 20 years tops, I would think that someone would have to live without their spouse. You being 34, you know, let's say you, you do live to, you know, the, the standard of living at 78 plus years. You've got a lot of years ahead of you to think about it. And like you said, although grief, uh, grief does shift, um, it's always going to be there. That's a lot to handle for a young widow. Yeah. And something I never thought I would be is a young widow, you know, and nothing prepares you for loss, no matter how young or old you are. It's a very controversial topic when you put age on it, you know, um, but I think that the difference with a younger widow versus an older widow is I'm grieving the life that I didn't get to have with my husband. We didn't get to buy a house or have babies or have grandbabies and grow older together. Um, and then a person that's older, they're grieving the life that they had with their person. You know, it doesn't make it worse or better or anything like that. It's just different. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes total sense. So you kind of alluded back to the, uh, the TikTok and, and I want to go there and, and just ask, you know, like what, what role does social media or even online communities play in that grieving journey for you? Like what made you want to like put yourself out there to, to show this to others? So at first I was doing it for myself just to feel less alone but then it became where I was making people feel less alone. Honestly, doing that was one of the best decisions I've made, even though it's very, I was very vulnerable. And, you know, I look back at some of those things and I'm like, oh my gosh, why would I have posted that? But at the time I was being very, very raw with my grief and that's what I wanted to do. And I have met so many friends from the grief community, like some of my best friends are also widows now. And I don't know what I would do without them. For me, connecting with other people that really understood the loss, like, yes, obviously all of our relationships and losses are different, but surrounding myself with people that really could understand me and where I was coming from and telling me and reassuring me, like, you're not crazy. Like what you're going through is crazy and it's okay. You're not okay. Instead of like, unfortunately people that haven't been through this, well, they kind of want to make you feel better. Like, and there's nothing that can make you feel better. It's like, they're uncomfortable with the loss almost. And so they're kind of rushing you to get better and not letting you feel your feelings. So I highly suggest joining a Facebook group or following people that are also on the journey of grief and loss. It, it was the most helpful thing for me. I'm obviously in a different place now, but when I was at a very dark place, those people really, really lifted me up and helped me in ways that I can never repay them. I'm a big fan of journaling, but this, you know, TikTok and, and things like that are kind of a, a digital way to journal. And what would you say to someone who maybe has lost someone recently? What would you, would you encourage them to start their own TikTok or, you know, at least... Uh, video or you know, some type of audio journal or, or blog? What would you say to them? I would say that you have to feel your feelings and do what's right for you. If you are someone that likes to vocalize and be raw and 
document your feelings and I highly suggest it for me in so many ways it was therapeutic but also and healing and also like it helped me share the loss of my husband the love for my husband and it helped me connect with other people that understood the loss so I for me it was something a lot of people were like why would you do that like you shouldn't put that on social media but for me I was just doing it to help myself and then I helped other people along the way and my husband was the kindest person I have ever met in my life like he would do anything for anyone stranger friend family next door neighbor so like for me it was like giving back you know what I mean like it was like almost like I was channeling him by helping other people Hmm. yeah so like I don't know what's what's the most surprising source of support during your grief journey that you found? I honestly never thought that I would meet strangers in different states and countries. I've actually flown to multiple places to meet other widows. Like I never thought I would do something like that. Wow. You know, we obviously video chatted and I had told you that prior to, um, I don't do it anymore, but I used to host Zooms for Young Widows. Like it was my Zoom that I started and I met these people on there and I became really good friends with them. So like that's something for me that was very like shocking. But like I said, one of the things that I'm most grateful for is opening myself up and kind of starting a community and having friends that really understand even though i hate that they understand you know if that makes sense but sure sure yeah i always tell my guests you know i um i'm happy to have met you but i hate the the way that we have met you know it's um grief is is a weird way to meet people and um but i'm always thankful for new new people new friends that i meet for sure um trying to think like have you experienced any changes in other relationships in, in your life since the loss of your husband? Yeah, that's actually one of the things that shocked me the most. You would think that after you lose someone, like people will be closer to you and really be there for you. But for me, and it seems like it's very common, which is so sad that you lose a lot of relationships because people don't want to be around you because you're sad or people can't handle your grief, you know, and they run the other way. And it's really, really hard. I lost, I would say like 90% of the relationships that I had. Hmm. Why do you think that is? I honestly think we live in a society where grief is frowned upon and it's not normalized and if you're not happy, like people want to be with you in your happy times. Everyone was at my wedding and when push came to shove, you know, after he died, like it was like a ghost town. Like no one really was there. I mean, I have a handful of people, which I'm very grateful for, but a lot of the people that I was always there for weren't there for me. And that was a Mm. really, really, really hard pill to swallow because I would have never treated people the way that I was treated. Hmm. Um, You know, you speak about, you know, the sadness and happiness um, dynamic. And I'm wondering, like, were you able to find um, or maybe like what role would humor play in the grieving process? And I know that's maybe an odd question, but have you found any humor at all that, that kind of helped you through that process? I would say after he died, I became a lot more sarcastic and dark humored. Mm -hmm. It kind of got me through. Um, I would say a lot of things that I typically normally wouldn't say. I become much more vocal and sarcastic. Yeah. It definitely changes your whole personality. Hmm. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, I mean, you that. are who you are in your core. Like, you'll always be that person, but you're not that person anymore. It's kind of like you die, too. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I'm sure after 
your grief um, or during your grief, it, it's a very fluid situation. You know, I agree that, you know, the core personality of a person rarely changes over a lifetime, but there are certain traits or certain things that, uh, you know, sometimes if we go through a horrible experience, it can leave us jaded. Um, that's not something that we're born with, but um, like you stated, you know, overall personality doesn't change, but experience does change people, period. Like, it, like you don't want to, how do I explain this? So what happens, at least for me, is I shared a lot of the same interests with my husband and a lot of the things that made me happy made him happy. So like when he died, like I didn't want to do any of those things anymore. And then I was kind of like, who's Tina without Talison? It was always Tina and Talison, you know? Hmm. Um, you know, obviously I'm a big advocate of counseling since I am a counselor, but, uh, yeah. did you seek any professional help whenever, uh, you were going through this? Yeah. So honestly, my family kind of forced that on me cause I mm -hmm. was kind of saying some dark things and I want to let people know though, having dark thoughts and stuff after experiencing something so traumatic, I would say is pretty normal, but none of my family ever experienced what I did. So I did start seeing a psychologist. He was such a blessing, such a great person. Um, I'm really grateful for him. Honestly, I saw him for about two years and then I decided, you know, that I wanted to kind of do it on my own because sometimes when you're like, I didn't want my whole life to be about grief anymore. Although I talk about my husband and my, and you know, grief is a part of me. I just didn't want it to be consistent. And then I kind of found myself feeling like anxious to have to get on and talk about the loss and talk about how I feel, you know, once I got to a certain point, but in the beginning I needed it. And I think that therapy is a blessing. Therapy isn't for everyone, but it definitely helped me in the beginning. Yeah. So getting back to your husband, um, I, I do want to ask, like, do you have any fears of forgetting or losing memories about your husband? You know, you, you were talking about how you have a lot of life to live at this point. And, um, you know, obviously you are still navigating through your life. Do you have any of those fears at all? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes I think about that. Um, luckily, I've always been obsessed with pictures and videos, so I have so many of them. And I've heard that when you have like dreams to journal them or like when you a memory pops up to journal about it so you don't forget. Um, but he was unforgettable, so I don't think I'll ever – maybe I'll forget little things. You know, sometimes I catch myself – thinking I forgot something and then something pops in my head and then I kind of laugh and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. I really hope not. But yeah, you're right. It is a fear because, you know, I am young and I, I mean, God willing that, you know, I'm going to be here for a long time. So I always find it really important to like read through our messages or like when I want to have like a grievy day and like, I call it emotional cutting <laughs> I'll, I'll go, I'll go on like, and watch videos, listen to his voice, like look at our wedding photos just to like relive moments. I don't do it all the time. In the beginning I was doing it all the time and now I kind of do it and then I can stop myself, you know, cause I have more control over my grief. Mm-hmm. And I think as you go along, um, you are able to control those moments a little bit better. Yes. You know, at first, uh, you know, as, as I've stated before in other podcasts, you're getting hit by these waves and you have, it's like you have zero control, you know, it's, you're just trying to survive at that point. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, definitely. I mean, for me, the first two years, almost I lived in survival mode, even though I didn't want to survive. And then like towards the second year, I started to feel like a little lighter and I felt like I could handle being around people and being in public and like I said things just started to shift naturally for me but if you would have told me I would be where I am now like 
three years ago, I would have told you no way. Like, I did not think there would ever, ever be any light at the end of any of this. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. Some days are very heavy still, but I have way more lighter days now than heavy days. And I'm so grateful for that because it gets to the point where you feel so uncomfortable in your own skin because everything is just about the loss and you're just so sad and unhappy and you're drowning and it's such a horrible feeling. Yeah. So it sounds like you've found a lot of self-care um, or coping mechanisms that that's kind of helped you through the past few years. Anything that you could share with, with others that would help them? I mean, like I said, for me, the first thing was meeting other people that understood the loss. Um, also, I always like finding hobbies, um, I like reading books, listening to podcasts. Um, but for me, mostly in the beginning, it was really like getting on the like grief groups online and talking to other people and talking about my loss. For me, talking was very, very helpful. Just like talking about the loss. I just feel like that's a very healthy way to cope to talk about it. Like they did exist. The loss does exist. And that really got me through some of my darkest days, just talking about it, talking about him, talking about how I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing. Yeah. So, you know, you talked about the, the zoom that you created. Um, have you ever thought about doing anything beyond that? Or do you feel like you've kind of served that grief community at this point and kind of just need to find something new about life? I mean, I've thought about doing it again just to help other people because it really is helpful, especially because there's a lot, a lot of like um, groups are older people or cost money and people don't have the money. So I had, I did it for free, but then I started working again and life got really busy, but I really like helping people, which is why when you asked me to come on the podcast, I'm really grateful you are allowing me to just talk because I think that when other people hear other people's stories, it really sheds light and it helps people to think, okay, well, this person was so dark and didn't want to live and wasn't okay. And like, now they're okay. And they're trying and, you know, so I definitely have thought about it, like doing something grief related just because with my dad and my husband and I like helping people. So and it could be a possibility. I definitely agree with you that, um, you know, your story does give hope to others. It's almost kind of that um, shot in the arm that people need sometimes, you know, especially when their grief is raw and new and it's like, I, I have nowhere to turn. So I think the best thing that we can do is find someone who has been, and I state importantly in a similar situation, not, you know, I know exactly what you're going through. I, I can't stand hearing that at funerals and I've heard it so many times, but you know, somebody that can connect with you, that's in a very similar situation. Um, and, and then see, you know, that you were in a dark place and you have overcome and you're um, still working through your life, your grief journey, but you're in a much, much better place and you are moving through life. You know, I, I don't, I don't like using moving on. That's um, yeah. I always say moving forward. I'm moving yeah. forward. You know, I, carry him with me. I always acknowledge special dates like the death anniversary just passed and our wedding anniversary. I always do a memorial shoot like with pictures of him and I and um, I always want to carry that with me. But it's important to, you know, start to figure out other things in life, you know, that you feel connected to, but that just mm. because you're moving forward doesn't mean that you're moving away or moving on from the person like that person that you lost will always, always, always be a part of you. Like he, he is 
the reason I am who I am today. Like he made me into the Tina I am and I'm forever grateful. Like when I tell you he was my best friend and I don't know if you believe in soulmates, but he was extraordinary. Like I never, I never understood why, why he wanted to be with me, but he, I, I, it's just, it's really hard. You, you never move on. You just move forward. And, you know, it's okay to have heavy grief days and, and the time, there's no timeline. That's another misconception with grief. There is no timeline. Like everyone is unique. Every love is unique. Every loss is unique. And you need to do what feels right for yourself. Like, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, when do you think I'll feel better? And it's like, I can't tell people that because, or what did you do to feel better? And for me personally, things just started to like feel a little lighter. And then I was like, wow, like I thought that was funny. Oh, I could be in a moment again, you know, things like that. But it just, it shifted. It took a long time, but it continues to shift even now, you know? Yeah, there was, uh, whenever our um, diagnostic and statistical manual updated, um, to the DSM five TR, uh, they added prolonged grief disorder. And there were a lot of people in the mental health community that were upset with that, uh, diagnosis. And, you know, it, it is, um, in ways, I think it's a good thing because you can continue to bill for insurance that way. But a lot of therapists are upset because they think it pathologizes grief, that it makes people believe that grieving is wrong. Um, but one of the factors in prolonged grief disorder is a time factor, you know, and like you stated, um, it, in my mind, it's, it's a very subjective thing, but you know, what, what would you say to the person that's grieving heavily, you know, one year in two years in, uh, you know, versus the person that three, four months later is getting back and active in life. Like that's, I, I think you're just on the point with, you know, everyone's different in their grief journey. Yeah, there I is mean, no timeline. Exactly. I think it's okay. You're not okay. And everyone has different, like, for example, for me, for almost two years, I laid in bed. I didn't brush my teeth. I didn't shave. I didn't care about anything. Like you couldn't tell me anything. But there's people like I didn't have children. I didn't have a mortgage to pay. There's people that have to get up because they have to take care of their kids and they have a mortgage. They're going to lose their house. You know, we're all in different situations you know, and there's certain, like, people are like, I, w I don't know what I would do without my kid. Like, that's the only reason I'm here. And, you know, for me, I really struggle with that because I was like, I have no reason to be here. I don't have kids. I don't have anything. I don't have anyone. He was everything to me, you know? So I think that try not to compare yourself to someone else because we are all different in every aspect. We all have different support systems and different finances and like I said, a different love, you know, so try not to compare yourself to other people. It's okay that someone that lost someone five months ago is in a different place than someone that is five years out, you know, and there's no ahead or behind. It's just as long as you're, you know, trying, that's all you can do. Sometimes just brushing your teeth is a miracle, you know, like the littlest things, do whatever you can do. Don't force yourself to be somewhere you're not, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, and I, I agree with you a hundred percent. What's normal for one person may be different for another. Um, and you know, it is sometimes simply, do I have enough energy to get out of bed? So, um, let's see here. I'm, I'm just trying to think of, you know, speaking of, of kind of normal, like what was it like for you to have to kind of create a new normal for you? Um, at first it was impossible. It was, I couldn't function, but, um, eventually things just started to fall into place for me. I needed to really be on my own and really feel my feelings, but I opened myself back up at, to love again. And I met someone and he's actually a really great person. And, um, 
that's, that's, you know, that's not the reason why I'm okay, but you know, it's, it's been nice to find love again. I'm working again. I'm in a new state, you know, I'm just trying to find normalcy where I can. And, you know, that's another, um, misconception that if you're with someone else, you know, you're better, but it's like, to be honest, it creates even more layers of grief for me opening myself up and being with someone else, you know, um, mm, and, yeah. and, and people also are like, Oh, well, you're with someone else. Like you're fine. And it's like, no grief still exists no matter what. Like, even if you're moved on and you remarry, like you still lost your spouse, you know, you still live with that grief. Yeah. So has, has this like, I don't know, it sounds like you've got a, a different appreciation for life now. Um, it, I don't know if you can, I guess, elaborate on that. It's, I know it is a new normal for you, but, um, I don't know. Do you have, I guess, uh, a new and different vision for what life is supposed to be at this point? Um, I now try not to plan ahead <laughs> because, you know, you, tomorrow is never promised. So, like, I'm really living in the now and in the moment. And I always was the type of person that, you know, wasn't materialistic and I loved traveling and I loved experiences and experiencing whatever I could in life. And I'm continuing to do that. Um you know, I, I definitely have a very different outlook on life. At first it was bitter, but it shifted a little bit, but just appreciate the little things, appreciate everyone that you have in your life, you know? Yeah. And, and I think, uh, changing your outlook on what goals should look like is, is very big. Um, you know, you were thrown a, a huge curveball very early in life. So now I can see where you kind of back down. And, you know, whenever I see people in my office, I always ask them like, um, with goal setting, you know, if I would have asked you three to five years ago, would you be sitting in this chair right now? You would, you would have had no idea that something would drive you into a counseling office. Um, or any of your goals, honestly, you know, COVID, I think threw a big curveball to everyone. Life changed for us all. It's, it's never going to go back to the way it was. Um, so whenever I talk to people about goal setting, it's, you know, I always have people look at today, you know, when your head hits the pillow tonight, can you say that you made today count? You know, what, what do you want different one month from now? And, and as we're recording, it's November 29th. So, December 29th, what do you want different in your life? And then, of course, one year out, I think it's still realistic to look one year out. Um, November 29th of 24, what do you want that to look like? And then, of course, I do tell them to think of a stretch goal three to five years out, but know that that goal is extremely flexible. You know, your goal for today or maybe the next month shouldn't have a heck of a lot of flexibility, you know, it's, you should know what you want. And, but as you know, very quickly, those, those tides can turn. And, uh, that's why I think just more flexibility, the further out we go, um, be willing to move with the changes. You, I would say live in the moment. I live yeah. in the moment now. Okay. You know? I mean, to be honest, my husband and I were both really like that. We kind of like, took every day like it was like our we lived every day like it was our last and I'm so grateful that we lived that way because everyone would be like when are you gonna have kids when are you gonna do this when are you gonna do that and we're like we're young we're living we're experiencing so we experienced a lot in 10 years like we traveled all over and we made so many memories and now I'm continuing to live like that you know money comes back time doesn't mm, very very valid point um, yeah, I think a lot of people are chasing those, um, 
physical things, you know, just like you said, you money. You don't take anything with you when you go. And, I, you know, I've seen that the hard way twice, you know, all the things that were my husband's. They're in bins now, you know, it's for me, it was never a materialistic things and even more so now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, again, you kind of nailed it with time. Time is something that we just can't get back. And, and I think we undervalue time, time with family. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you're, you're really using your time wisely. So uh, you know, whenever I leave this world, I want to have no regret, you know, nothing left on my books uh, to do. And even at 48, honestly, and, and don't take this, you know, wrong, I, I don't want to die. But at this point, if I checked out, um, I don't think I would feel robbed. But tell me, like, what are some things in life that you still want to do, places you want to go, just anything? I, I, I hate to use the word bucket list, but sometimes it is what it is. Like, what, what do you still want to do with your life? Honestly, I, I really I really don't know. I, have, I don't really have too many plans. And this honestly is like a double-edged sword question because, you know, of course, I always wanted to be a mom and I wanted to buy a house, but like those were dreams with my husband. So like, um, it's been really hard for me to think about th having those things with someone else, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's kind of tainted a little bit, but those were always dreams that I had. Um, right now I really just want to travel. I'd like to travel outside of the country. Um, on my TikTok, I document a lot. My husband and I were avid travelers. So, I sprinkle his ashes wherever I go, you know, and again, some people that's not for them, but for me, it makes me feel like he's with me in a sense. And it's something that he would have wanted. It's like, he's traveling the world still. So, um, yeah. but I don't, I don't know. I, I'm still finding myself and figuring out what my future looks like. And I've learned, like I said, not to plan too much ahead, but you know, I hope that honestly, I just hope that the person that I'm with now, we live a long life together because that's like my biggest fear being a widow twice, you know, like it's you, you love with fear now. I love with fear. Hmm. And I don't want to put you on the spot, but I am curious, um, like, have you had any challenges in dating and not so much like just the dating process, but um, anything that that's hard to, uh, I guess, get the person that you're with now to understand about your grieving process or has that been fairly easy for you? So I'm very fortunate in that regard because it's crazy. He was, I don't know why I decided to go on a date. He was the first person I went on a date with and we just clicked and I didn't, I thought I was going to go get a free dinner and a movie. And, but then when I met him, I was very open like that. I was a widow and like Talison will always be a part of who I am and me and my life. So he has been very, very understanding and he's available on special dates if I want him to be around and he lets me feel my feelings you know for that's very important for me at least when you pick someone else I don't think it's normal if they're kind of like jealous of the person that's no longer here you know like my husband's not coming back so instead my fiance embraces it like embraces the love I had for my husband which makes me love him even more yeah. And it, uh, knowing that your love hasn't changed for your husband, um, should make your fiance feel very firm in his decision to pick you because he knows that you won't waver. So that's, yeah. that's great. Um, one, one thing I want to go back to, uh, is you had spoken of dreams or, you know, just very vivid memories of your husband. Um, and, and I'm a big advocate for writing those down. I literally, I've got one book that took me about three years of dreams, uh, to complete. And I started another, I love looking at dreams and I, I really feel like they all mean something. Have you had any like 
confirmation dreams or anything that your husband was in that made you feel like he's, he's still out there or good. Um, like what, any dreams that you would want to share? Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. So when he first passed away, I would say the first or second month I had a couple of dreams. Um, the first dream I could see him, but he wasn't talking. And then I woke up. But then the next dream that I had, he told me that he was going to meet my dad in two weeks. And like I had said earlier, my dad died before I met my husband, right before I met my husband. So that was like kind of comforting, like that he was going to meet and be with my dad. Mm -hmm. And then and then the last dream that I ever had about him we love sunrises and sunsets. Like every time we would check into ho a hotel, like he would always ask the person, like, where does the sunrise? Where does it set? Where can we see it? And we were, I, he showed me a picture of a sunrise. And, and then I looked at him and he was like, don't be sad. We're going to be together again. And then I woke up crying and that was the last I ever dreamed of him. So, wow. I mean, wow. I, I find, I hope that means something and, you know, I really hope there is something after here, you know, cause our time was cut so short. Yeah. That's, um, I, I enjoy having dreams of those that have passed. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's very special when we have those dreams. So do you have any like triggers or any reminders that are really difficult for you still three years out? Uh, yeah, I really can't watch anything where someone is in the ICU. Like I start mm. to, um, like break out in hives and get really like, um, like anxious because I want like, sadly, um, when he was passing away, he went into the ICU on a Friday and he was, and he died on Monday and I sat over his bed all those days didn't move just watched him die and he trigger warning sorry but he had you know tubes all in him and they had to cut a hole into him so like there was like blood gushing over him so anytime I see anything like hospital related where they're like in incubated I can't handle it hmm. yeah I, I can imagine uh that is still difficult for you, even though I, I don't know what that experience is like. Um, I just hate that you've had Extremely to go through this. Extremely traumatic. <laughs> Extremely traumatic. But, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't want to watch him die, but I couldn't imagine him being alone. Like, it, it just felt like the right thing to do, you know? So you were there in the last moments with him then? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I literally watched him die for days. Mm -hmm. Like I watched his body shut down. Um, yeah, uh, it was, it was really hard, you know, and nothing, nothing prepares you for that. And sometimes I have flashbacks of that and, you know, I have flashbacks of, certain moments in the hospital because it was a very traumatic experience. Hmm. Have you been back in a hospital since then? So I had to go back to that hospital actually to get some medical records, which was really, really hard. And then um, my soon to be sister-in-law when she was pregnant, I went into the hospital with her and I thought I wouldn't be okay, but I was okay with her. But I think it's because she was going to be giving birth and it was a, a joyous moment. I don't know if I can go to the hospital and see someone like sick on their deathbed. I think that's a different type of hospital visit. Mm. Yeah. Well, T, um, I know we're getting close to time here, but I want to give you the floor as I always do. And, uh, anything that you think we've missed or anything that you want to share with others, like, uh, I'll, I'll give you the floor and, and you can kind of finish us out here. What are your thoughts? I just want to tell people that, like I said, it doesn't get better, but it does get different. And I know that it feels impossible and you don't think that you'll ever get to a place where you want to live again and it's understandable because the person that made life worth living 
is no longer here, but take it day by day. Like you, you do get through it. It is really hard, but things get lighter. Things get not better, but different. And, you know, like, like you said, my, my TikTok, my email will be attached to this episode. So please, if you feel connected, reach out. I, I love being able to help other people and you're not alone. Well, thank you, um, T. I, I really appreciate you doing this. and I appreciate you doing this. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. And, you know, I wish you and your fiancé well. And if if anything, I hope listeners do uh, just see that, that life does move forward and that um, that there is hope out there. And I think you're, you're living proof of that. So, um, I really feel like you're, you're going to be blessing a lot of people with this podcast and your words. And, uh, I know you've already helped many, many people through the TikTok, through your zoom meetings. And, and I just hope that, uh, no matter what you do, you just keep influencing others to, uh, live their best life. And as you know, it can be taken so quickly. So thanks again for uh, being with me here on the show, T. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Thanks. And uh, thank you for listening again. And I hope you join us next time for another episode here on the Grief Observed podcast. Again, I'll have uh, my email address in the show notes as well. Uh, um, give me a give me a shout if you want to be on the show like T has been today and I'll have her TikTok and email in the show notes as well anyway I, I thank you and I hope you've been blessed by this episode have a great day